Well, it's already good being in church tonight. We could say amen and go home, and it would have been a blessing to be together. But I believe there's a challenge that the Lord wants us to heed tonight as well, because we want more people to know about that Savior. And we want to lift him up to a lost and dying world. What a task to get the gospel to all nations, all nations. That, that's, most people don't even know how many nations there are in the world. If you ever study that, you'll see how far behind we are. All nations. How is that possible to be accomplished? It certainly can be, or the Lord would not have told us to do it. And he did say that that early church, that that gospel had gone into every place. I believe they did their part. God help us to do our part. And how, how can we get the gospel to the regions beyond? We must do more than we're doing now. How is that possible? Well, it'll take faith. We looked at that last night. You know, I think the devil is working overtime to keep us in fear. That's the opposite of faith. So that we'll be afraid to step out by faith to do what he wants us to do, whether it's stepping out by faith to go to Uganda. You know, missionaries have to step out by faith. It takes faith to be a missionary. Pick up and just leave everything and step out by faith and do that. We would never expect them to do something we would not be willing to do, would we? A little quiet there on that question. But I think we ought to have the level of faith that we expect our missionaries to have, and we certainly will need it. And we shouldn't be afraid. It's not about our ability anyway. It's about the ability of the Lord. The Bible even tells us that we shouldn't fear, though the earth be removed. <laughs> I've never gotten my head around that verse. If the earth is removed <laughs> and the mountains cast into the sea, he said, we're not going to be afraid. And so certainly we need to have the faith that God needs in our hearts to reach the world. But I see something else in Dr. Luke's writing. If you had turned to Luke chapter 7, I've preached from this text before as well and won't do the same as I've done in the past, I think there is another thing besides just faith that we will need. If you'll get Luke chapter 7 and in your other hand get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We learned last night about a man that Jesus said had the greatest faith. And tonight I want to read the passage and find some ingredients in a woman who he said loved him more. Now, I think we were introduced to, to a heart that's needed in the previous message of, as the chapter started. And it ends as it starts, Luke 7 does, about, I believe, the great love that is needed. Would you not admit with me, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, if all of us love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, what do you think would happen? I mean, if we really loved him like we ought to love him, probably nobody would have to preach to us so much. 
If we just loved him, the motivation, matter of fact, before I read Luke 7, just go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says in verse number 14, well, look at verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Is that Christ's love for us or our love for Christ? Yes. <laughs> because we love him because he first loved us. It is intertwined, you see. The love of Christ constraineth us. What, what, what a phrase, what a word. We're constrained to do what we do because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judged if one died for all, then we're all dead and that he died for all. Well, glory to God that he died for all. Amen. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, that's missions. 19, do it that God was in Christ reconciling the world and himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ and all of that is constrained and motivated by the love of Christ. So probably, we do not reach the world as we ought to reach the world because of our lack of faith. Yes. Yes. But furthermore, because of our lack of love. Yes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray you would open the word of God up to our understanding and we pray the spirit of God would help each of us tonight. Father, as I stand before these people, I know I stand before you and I, I want to love your son more. Help me. And Lord, may we get the big picture of why we're not able to do all those things that you've asked us to do. We pray you'd help your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 7, the Bible says in verse number 36, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. What a conversation this guy's having with himself. Isn't that fascinating that the Bible records the conversation that this guy had in his own brain? You know, I am not fascinated that 
just that Jesus ate with sinners? I'm fascinated that he would eat with Pharisees. What a gracious Lord. He would sit down, would sit, sit down with someone like Zacchaeus, but he'll also sit down, sit down with a hypocrite like this guy. Because he knew going in his house what kind of guy he was, and he still went down in his house and ate him. Sat down and ate with him. The Lord, the Lord even is interested in the hypocrites. And so he comes in here, and you know the story as we're reading it. This sinner woman, this sinful woman, she must have been, had such a reputation, you could probably tell it by looking at her. She was probably a harlot or something of that nature. I don't know. The Bible doesn't even tell us. It just says she was a sinner. But I think the connotation shows that she's a pretty big one. In so much that the Pharisee says, I wonder why he even talks to her, certainly why he's letting her touch her, touch him. Verse number 40, and Jesus answering, that's pretty strange, isn't it? Jesus is answering and he's not even saying anything. But he's answering his thoughts. Oh, wow. Jesus knows what we're thinking. He knows what's in, you know, the Lord, we, 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 we need to quit playing games with God because he knows everything about it anyway. That's why the, the missionaries that most impress me are the ones that are just, just their self, you know, just genuine. Because the Lord knows what's going on anyway. He knows what's going on in our church, in all of our hearts. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, Say on. Boy, I feel a message out of that. <laughs> Master, say on. Well, here we go. He said in verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she had washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little, and he 
said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said, and said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. What a story. I want to know how I can love him more. I want to know how Victory Baptist Church can love the Lord more to the point to where that love will constrain you to do the impossible and do what God wants you to do and do what the devil does not want you to do and do what everything in your life is against you doing. I want the love of Christ to dominate your life. I want it to dominate my life. I learned the lesson probably a little late, but my children, I, I, I knew how to teach my children how to serve God and how to do right, but I did not know how to teach them how to love God. I really thought it was an impossibility to teach somebody to love God. Loving God, I, I thought and figured, and I'm not totally saying it's not true. Loving God is something you catch more than you just go through the teaching motion. How do you teach somebody to love God? You can teach them the facts of the Bible. You can teach them how to look right and dress right and talk right and believe right, but how do you teach somebody how to love God? How do you put the love of God in someone's heart? Do you see the enormity of that task? It's not a small thing. Not a formula for that. All that we do in our churches, we, we try to center it on the things of the Lord and the Bible. And, but but, but there's, there's just some people that, that turn out loving God and some people that don't. Or some people that do, but they don't love him enough to be constrained to do all that he wants them to do. I'm glad that I do have children that love God, but they didn't get that because I, I taught them how to do that. didn't know how to teach them that. But in the years of my own heart, thinking how, how, how can I love the Lord more? I'm looking at a text that talked about someone who loved Jesus more. She loved much. What are the ingredients? Just as the man who had all that faith, what were the ingredients? What are the ingredients? How can I have the love that just because, you know, you got to tell you to love God, that doesn't mean you're going to love him. Just because you say you love God doesn't mean your heart's overwhelmed with love for the Lord. But I'll tell you this, if we love the Lord with all of our hearts, your mission program will change. And your faith promise will change. That's sort of the apex of things. So how did this woman get to love the Lord? If I look at the text, she really doesn't get saved till the end. <laughs> That's a little fascinating. I don't really want to get into the minutia of all of that. But this woman, the Bible says, is at the feet of Jesus, bawling her eyes out. She's crying. She's weeping. 
She's weeping so much that she's got such a, a basin full of tears, amen, that she can wash his feet. <laughs> I tell you what, I've not seen that many tears on an altar in an independent Baptist church. But I would say this, I have seen tears in an altar. I have seen tears. I've seen tears in prayer meetings where you leave and there's a, there's a tiny little puddle left because the Holy Ghost had grabbed somebody. Tears come about in somebody's life. Either they got emotional problems or the Holy Ghost is working on their hearts. Don't you know that's the difference sometimes in invitations where people come down, but then sometimes they come down with tears. It just seems like the Spirit of God is just squeezing a heart until the tears run out the eyes. Would you, would you not agree with that? How many times would you look back in your life where the Spirit of God has so got the attention of your soul and touched your heart and the tears just ran down? You, you, that, that didn't come across because of some other event that came because God, the Spirit, was working in your heart. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And hope maketh not ashamed because, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. There is something about us, ladies and gentlemen, we don't love because love is of God. The Bible even says the Lord has to direct our hearts into the love of God. Love is a God characteristic. It comes from him. And I want to submit to you that our distance from the Spirit of God has brought forth a loveless Christianity. And we can go through the motions of the Christian, Christian life and not have the fire of the love of God. Just like you can go through the motions of the Christian life and the Spirit of God is not energizing there. And you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not control of our heart. This is what I want to say. If, if, how can I love God more? I need to get in touch with the Holy Ghost so he will shed that abroad in my heart. The spirit of the living God has to do that work. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, the power of a sound mind. The spirit of love is given to us. Maybe we ought to spend a little more time to have the love of God in our hearts, to be able to reach the world and be constrained by that love, to be good ambassadors and live unto him instead of to ourselves by spending some time with God and yielding to the Spirit of God and letting the Lord bring that in our lives. Isn't it wonderful when the things that you do for Christ are energized by the Holy Ghost. 
And it's not just a song, but it's the Holy Ghost working in the song. And it's not just a message, but it's the Holy Ghost working in the message. And it's not just coming to the altar. It's the Holy Ghost that's working in the altar. And it's not just a faith promise. It's the Holy Ghost working in my heart, helping me and guiding me of what I need to commit to my God. Because I love him. She loved much. Because I think God's, I think the Spirit of God is working in her life. And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be. We're trying to be witnesses without the Holy Ghost. We're trying to do the work of missions instead of getting bathed in the spirit of God and his power and him bringing the love and the motivation and the faith that we need to do the work and to be submissive to the will of God. We just go through the motions. You know what I think, God, I was sitting down there. I, I got excited while, while that youth choir was singing. I saw, I saw somebody up in this choir that wasn't just singing. I saw the Spirit of God on some people's faces. Yeah. A Spirit-filled person will love the Lord enough to do whatever the Lord wants them to do. First time I was ever filled with the Holy Ghost, as a young man, I got up off the altar. I... I I'd, I'd have jumped off a bridge if he told me to jump off a bridge. And there was a big puddle of tears down there. I went home that afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. I picked up my Bible. Nobody taught me. Nobody taught a class about soul winning. Nobody told me I'd be a good little Christian if I went and led people to Christ, the Holy Ghost so filled my life that the evidence of that was I told mom I don't want lunch today, mom, and I grabbed a little New Testament that I'd never done in my life and went across the street and started telling people about Jesus. That was not me. That was the Spirit of God filling me because the evidence of that was that then I started caring about what he cared about. Maybe instead of trying to pump up spiritless people into doing the work of God, we need to get in touch with the Holy Ghost in such a way there'll be a revival. Old Brother Joe West called missions conference, he called them missions revivals. He'd been in heaven a good while now. He called mission revivals where the Spirit of God just get a hold of our hearts to the point, amen, we'd be willing to do anything. Revival. I'm just saying I'm watching this woman cry at the feet of Jesus and this woman is touched. But this man's not touched. And he doesn't love the master like this woman loved him. He doesn't give him a kiss. He doesn't have a heart. 
How can I love him more? I've got to get in touch with the Holy Ghost. How, do I, how can I love him more? Well, I, I, in this crying that she's doing, what do you think she's crying about? Look just a few pages over. Look at uh, chapter 16, Luke 16. I think this woman probably had a pretty rough life. And I think her tears are not only because God is dealing with her, but I think these are tears of repentance. I really do. I think that this woman is choosing to love Jesus instead of the men she's been running around with. That's what I think. You can think what you want to. But I think she said, you know, I am sick and tired of all of that harlotry, of all of that type of life. That, 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 that love is not real. It's shallow. I'm tired of, and I've found somebody and I've seen somebody that I need to love instead of loving all that stuff that I've been doing. She could have been out there enjoying all the sin she'd always enjoyed, but she's at the feet of Jesus crying and, and, and bawling her eyes out and having a love. Jesus said she loved him. I'm telling you, she had to turn her back on the things that she was loving to love him. She had to quit loving the dude out there she'd been spending all that time with. Luke 16, look at it, verse 13. I'm just interested, how, 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 how can I love him more? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It doesn't really matter what else you love at the end of that verse. You can only have two masters, and this woman is saying this, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to love the masters of my life that I used to have. I'm going to love this master. She had to remove the rivals. How do I love him more? I've got to remove the rivals in my life that keep me from loving him like I ought to love him. Jesus said, he that loveth father and mother or whatever more than me, not worthy of me. There's a lot of rivals. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. What keeps us from loving God like we are? We just love ourselves. Guys, can y'all not see where that heads toward missions? What keeps people from getting involved in missions like they ought to get in churches doing all that God wants us to do for missions? What keeps us from that? We don't love him like we ought to love him. Why don't we love him like we ought to love him? Because we're in love with too many other things. There's no room. Lovers of their own selves. Have we ever seen a generation that's so in love with herself? And before we get so critical, the Lord says, no man ever yet hated him, his own flesh. You love yourself. I, we all love ourselves. That's why you feed yourself. But at some point, we've got to despise the thing that's a rival to our love for the Lord. 
put yourself to death, despise yourself when yourself gets in the way of loving Jesus. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. The things of life, the pleasures of life. It, it quenches our love for the master. So we can't be the people that God wants us to be. The love of money is the root of all evil. On and on we can go. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not. I think we've missed the boat on some of that. We've preached pe to people so long not to love things in the world, and we've not even told them why. The reason that we don't want you loving the world is it comes between you loving Jesus. It's not all about you just not loving worldly things. It's about you having enough room in your heart to love Jesus. Because worldly people don't love Jesus. Got to remove the rivals. I don't know who that woman left, but she left them, and she's down there at the feet of Jesus. She says, this is what I want. This is the one I want to love. Do you remember when Jesus came to Peter in John 21? He said, lovest thou me? Lovest, do you love me? He said, if you love me, you'd, you'd do what? You'd feed my lambs. And he said, you'd feed my sheep. In other words, all of this activity of you taking the word of God to the people that the Lord loves is a response of your love for him. If you don't love me like you ought to love me, Peter, you're not going to feed anybody. It comes out of your love for me. And I don't think Jesus, I tell you what, you asked three times, I don't think he was very convinced that he, Peter loved him. Why do you have to ask him so many times? Modern times have brought us many comforts. People live in wealth and luxury. But the master still asks this question. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these? So many commentators have tried to figure out what these are. Oh, he's talking about, do you love me more than these other disciples? I don't know about that because he gets at the end of the chapter, he says, don't worry about those other disciples. Some say the fish. I don't even know what these are. But it's something that'll keep him from loving Jesus. Do we love our comforts more than we love Jesus? Do we love our toys? What are, what's the rival? Do we love our jobs? Do we love our careers more than we love Jesus? Do we love a some other person more than we love Jesus? Do we love America more than we love Jesus? Do we love our money more? What do we love more than we love Jesus? What, are, what is the these? 
What is keeping me from just opening my heart and say, Lord, whatever you want, because I love you. What are the things that I need to weep over and remove at the feet of Jesus? This is not the only woman that's a sinner that has something to weep over. I see something, another ingredient. The Bible says that she brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she anointed his feet. She, she brought a treasure. And she put that treasure on the Lord instead of herself. How can I love him more? How can, you, how can we love the Lord like we should that will motivate us, that will constrain us to get the gospel to the regions beyond? Well, I, I think we st need to start investing our treasure like this woman was willing to invest her treasure. Would you go to Luke chapter 12? I think we read this verse and we've seen it a lot, but maybe we've not thought about it deeply enough. In Luke chapter 12, the Bible says in verse 33, Jesus said, sell that you have. Somebody said, I don't have anything. Well, sell something. <laughs> that went over great. <laughs> People probably got enough junk in their stores they could sell and Amen. Give a lot bigger missions commitment. Sell that you have. This is Jesus talking. Well, I don't have any money. Well, go sell something. Is Jesus talking or am I making this up? Jesus Christ tells these people to go sell stuff. Sell that you have and give alms. Why are they selling? They're selling to give. Is that in the Bible? Say. Sell that ye have and give alms. Why does he tell them to do this? Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. There's a message there. I got to keep going. A treasure in the heavens. That faileth not where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupted. I'm wanting you to give so your treasure will be in another place besides your pocket. I'm wanting you to sell what you have so your treasures won't be what you have, but it will be in another place. 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, the destination of the heart is going to make it to the place wherever you put your treasure. You follow me? He didn't say your treasure was where your heart is. <laughs> Your, the treasure doesn't follow the heart. The heart follows the treasure. That's what he said it on purpose. That's why he told him to sell, give, so up in heaven you'll have something so your heart will be there instead of your heart down at your house. Your pastor preached for us just, just a little bit ago. You know what he couldn't help but do? He could not help 
but talk about he and his wife and all the money they spent on their grandkids. They spend, I won't even tell you what all he said. He said he's got to go around the country to preach meetings so that Miss Fleur can have more money for the grandkids. You know what I say to that? They are so invested in these grandkids. No wonder their love is so huge. They put too much into them. There couldn't be a falling out. They've, they've got too much invested. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who leaves, you know who the quickest is to leave, leave a good church? You know why people leave a good church? Their heart's not there. You know why their heart's not there? Their treasure's not there. If they would be so invested... I, I tell you, I know exactly what I'm talking about. They start taking that investment out, and then they lose the heart. If you don't love missions like you ought to love missions, if you don't love Jesus like the Lord wants you to love him, why don't you start putting your treasure there and get a deeper investment? Man, I'm so invested in missions. I'm eating it, I'm sleeping it, I'm drinking it. I got too much invested. There's no way I could turn my back and say I'm not interested in missions anymore. I got too much involved. And some Christians, they can just come and go through missions conference and it's not a big deal because they don't have any treasure there. This woman is taking something to Jesus that's valuable to her and she's pouring it out on him. It is not for herself. And her treasure that she lavishes on the Lord, her love is deeper for the Lord because of the giving. You do know love is a gift, do you not? Love is not an emotion. How do I love the Lord more? It's something you give to him. He said, Preacher, can't you give without loving? Yes, but you can't love without giving. And if you'll give enough, maybe your heart will follow it. What did Apostle Paul say to that great text to the Corinthians in chapter 8, 2 Corinthians? He talks about their giving to prove the sincerity of their love. He said, I, I, I want to see the proof of your love. Because if I, I want to see that offering. Preacher, why, why, why do we not have more to give, more to give to missions? Why are there not more resources? It's a lack of love. Right. Because guys. You're not, you're not giving it to this dear brother to Uganda or this dear brother to uh, the Dominican Republic or this dear brother taking stuff down to Mexico. When we give our gifts, we're not giving it to these men. We're giving it to the master. We're giving it to Jesus. If you're not giving it to Jesus, you're in the wrong place. It's all for him where your treasure is.
How do I love him more? Give more. Make a deeper investment. Mm. Brother Joe West used to go out and say, let me have your checkbook. Of course, people don't use checkbooks anymore, but he said, I want to see what you love. Look through that checkbook. You know what people love? They love their pets. <laughs> now, if you're selling their offspring to give to missions, we're not talking about you. I believe, I believe saved people are going to stand before Jesus Christ. And I, I believe the Lord keeps so many books and records. I believe there's a library up there that we just can't comprehend. If he counts the number of hairs on our heads every day, he knows how much money you spend on your dog or cat. <laughs> he knows where your treasure is. I mean, people taking their animals for surgeries chemotherapy, <laughs> diapers. And that's just the first hobby horse that entered my mind. I'm talking about your treasure. Maybe it's your house or your furniture or your car or your hobbies. I'm not saying anything, any of that's wrong. I'm just saying, where is, where is the vast majority of your treasure? I really believe, this is what I believe. I believe every Christian, it'd take a lifetime for most people to do this. I believe that every saved person ought to have the greatest expenditure every month of their life for the sake of the gospel around the world. Because I believe the gospel going to the world is more important than where I live or what I drive or what I eat or my own family members or my own church building that I... I believe it's the most... I believe the heartbeat of God is to get the gospel around the world. I believe it should be more money than your house payment or your car. I believe it should be the very top investment that you make. It might take you a lifetime to get there, but if you don't even have the intention to get there, you are just putting your treasures in a place where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. Let's get our treasure right. I don't think this was a rich woman, but she got what she had and she poured it out on Jesus. And she loved him much. Because her treasure was in the right place. Where's your treasure? I want to love him more. I want to get in touch with this Holy Ghost and I want to remove the rivals. And I want to keep his word because in him verily is the love of God is perfected if I'll keep his word and if I'll lay up treasures in heaven and if I will give to him and if he will be my first love, if I'll obey that, that commandment, the love of God will be perfected in my heart as I do what he tells me to do. Lastly, this is really what I want to say tonight and I'm finished. I think all these things are true. 
But the reason that I think this woman really loved Jesus so much, it's right in the text. Luke chapter 7. Forty-four, he turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water, no investment. For my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no investment. See that? Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, no investment. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Church, here's the truth. The Pharisee was as big a sinner as the woman. He just didn't know it. The Pharisee needed as much forgiveness as the woman. He just wasn't aware of it. The Pharisee was as dirty and rotten, and guilty, and hell-deserving as the woman. But he didn't see it. And the woman, she knows she's wicked. She knows that her life is filthy. And the forgiveness of the Son of God for her meant so much to her because her whole life was consumed in her mind and heart about the length of her sins and she comprehended the depth of the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she thought, if he can forgive me of that. And if he can save me and forget about that. And if he can wash me and clean me up of all of that, I sure do love you. You've taken away things I couldn't take out of my life. You've taken away the guilt and the penalty of things I couldn't take out of my life and the penalty I couldn't get rid of. You have removed the shame that I could never remove. And you have forgiven me so deeply. I love you in return to the same death. Does not the Bible say that when iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold? But when forgiveness abounds, the love waxes strong. Now here's the truth. Some of you tonight, God saved you 
and has forgiven you of some of the most despicable things we don't even want to talk about. God saved some of you out of drunkenness, saved some of you out of adultery and fornication. God's forgiven some of you tonight of murder because the Bible says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. God's forgiven some people in here tonight of, of the sin of adultery just because they've looked on a woman to lust after and the Bible said you committed adultery with her already in your heart. Some of you tonight been addicted to pornographic things that you've looked at with your eyes. Some of you have had bitterness in your heart that you had to go to God and, and, and some of that hatred in your heart for him to get out of, out of your life. Some of you have been eat up with pride that you had to go to an altar and confess the Lord. But oh no, it's not just sins of commission. It's sins of omission. Many of us, amen, have had to make a way to the altar and confess our sins of not doing all the things that we require. And all those things are even before salvation. But what about since salvation? Some of you have had to go to an altar somewhere and get a hold with God and say, God, I've done it again. Can we be real for just a moment about how much God has really forgiven you? Could you just think about the depth of all the things you've done, amen, maybe back to your youth, all the way to wherever you're living now, and still today, still today, you've got to go and confess your sins to the Lord and say, I've failed again, I've been prayerless, I've, been, I've not been the witness, I've not read my Bible. I've not had the heart. I, I yelled at my wife. I got mad or disobeyed my husband. We had hell in our house. Yet we got right with each other and said, Lord, would you forgive us? And oh, it was wonderful. Would you think about all those times? You've watched things you shouldn't watch and you've said things you shouldn't say. And yet the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know how many times as a preacher of the gospel and somebody that's tried to live for the Lord for all these years, I don't know how many times I've had to go to the throne of grace, amen, in a year's time or a month's time or a week's time and say, oh God, I'm sinned again. Please wash me. And if you don't see yourself that way, that's why you don't love Jesus Christ because you don't think you've had anything to be forgiven of. Why don't we love him more? We, ha we have no comprehension of the depth of the forgiveness. You know what the prophet said in Isaiah? He said, I tell you what, you need to look to the hole of the pit from which you were digged. I don't believe you ought to live in your past. I'm not saying that, but I tell you what, you need to little, take a little stroll past Calvary and stroll past the blood and see how very much Jesus has forgiven you. Because this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Until we see the depth of our sin, we'll never see the love of Christ like we ought to see it. Amen. 
Right. And until we see the depth of his forgiveness and how much he's forgiven. No wonder we love little. He forgave us a little. But if we could see what that woman saw. I keep going back, Lord, and you just keep washing me and forgiving me. Cleansing me. And I sure do love you. Is there something I can do for you, Lord? What's close to your heart? These grandbabies, here's what I know. They want to get them whatever they want. Because they love them. You love Jesus. You know what he wants? He wants a preacher in every nation. He wants this book to all humanity. And the love of Christ constrains us if we love him. 